Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're enjoying your day as much as I have. I am a little annoyed a little bit today because when doing research for this podcast today, a lot of articles were only talking about January 6th and the investigation that's happening. And a lot of it was on CNBC News. And that to me is a little frustrating because the whole point is to be able on CNBC, you should be talking more about the market and not talking about January 6th. But the media is going to do what it wants to do at the end of the day. And I've always said, whenever there's a popular news cycle that's around, the question we all should be asking is, what news isn't being covered with this news? What deals are being done when people aren't paying attention? And I did find a few things that are actually happening today. Some news are good. Some of the news is good and some of it's bad. Some some stuff we're going to talk today. Target to add Bobby brand infant formula to stores as shortages persist. Good to know that there's still a baby formula shortages that's still happening out there. President Biden is also facing a deadline in US railroad labor standoff, okay? GoPuff cuts at least 10% of its workforce. Microsoft also is having to cut some of its workforce as well, I guess, from the month of May. That slipped the news. And finally, a Norwegian oil giant in, in Equinor, sorry, is to buy US-based energy storage firm, okay? These are gonna be fun to talk about today, guys, because we're not gonna be talking about January 6th stuff on this podcast today. We're gonna be talking about the markets because this what the podcast is for is to be able to talk about the markets. But that being said, guys, I always have to remind you at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. Please do your own research before investing in any stock or company, as I cannot legally give you advice on what you can and can or what you can or should invest in. Okay. You need to go talk to your own professional advisor before making financial decisions, as they understand your financial situation a lot better than I do. I'm not a professional advisor. I cannot legally give you financial advice. So please do your homework before making any investment decisions. I do have a small position in one of the companies that I will be talking about a little bit today. And if I should bring up any other company as well, I will make sure I mention if I have a small position in that company or not. But with that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Target to add Bobby brand infant formula to stores as shortages persist. Now, obviously this is where I need to say, I do have a very small and long position in Target, okay? Target Corp will start carrying the Bobby brand infant formula in stores starting by September and on its website this month. As national shortages persists, Bobby, which has previously sold to customers exclusively through its website, has increased its manufacturing output over the last few months by more than 30% and is hoping to expand production further, Chief Executive Laura Modi said in an interview. Quote, we are prepared for this. We have enough inventory to show up on shelves across the country, Modi told Rudders. Target currently has online and in-store limits on how much formula shoppers can buy. The U.S. infant formula shortage stems from part of the closure of Abot Laboratories plant that manufactured specialty formulas, which reopened this month. The plant closed again after reports of bacterial infection and dead in babies 
who consumed formula made at the plant. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration this month said it's looking at ways to make it easier for new baby formula makers to enter the U.S. market and for those allowed under a temporary program to remain in the country for longer to mitigate the shortage. Target carries U.K.-based formula Kendamil recently approved under the program. The in-stock nationwide availability to powdered baby formula has dipped in a in a bit in recent weeks to 69.6% for the week of July 3rd and 70.7% for the week ending June 26th, according to data service IRI. Bobby, which is manufactured by Piergo Company, plants currently has a wait list to become a new subscriber online. Modi said the company has wanted to expand into brick and mortar retail because subscribers have asked where they can pick up extra cans if they are using more formula than expected. Bobby deal with Target includes a display at the shopping of shop at the ends of shopping aisles to educate consumers on products. Modi said the displays feature mats of turfs to indicate the formula used milk and grass-fed cows, she said. The formula aisle is a miserable, sad place to walk down, Modi said, explaining that it often leaves new parents feeling guilty and dumbfounded. Quote, our desire to show up in retail is changing retail and changing how formula is showing up. You know, it's interesting that this baby formula shortage continues. Really does. Okay. What's being done? Are the politicians in Washington actually going to help make new competition come out so that we don't ever have a baby formula formula shortage again? Kind of doubt it. But it's good to see that a company like uh, like Bobby is trying to take advantage of this now and be able to start going into brick and mortar at the same time. It's quite concerning that there's still a baby formula shortage happening, okay? Because that also means that there's going to probably be shortages in other areas of the economy soon. It's just disgusting how we're, we live in a time in the 21st century where there's shortages, okay? Policies that are enacted in government is causing a lot of these issues. And how's the market going to handle this? Who knows? Maybe Bobby starts becoming more a traded company. Maybe Bobby becomes more of a part of people's investment portfolios in order to survive. It's hard to say, but this shortage has got to eventually end because eventually you don't want to deal with a lot of angry mothers if they can't feed their children. So I'm just curious to know how the market's going to react to this in all honesty, because Abelt Laboratories, I believe is still out of commission maybe, or maybe they're back online. It's hard to remember, but it's, it's sad to see that this is still happening in the United States of all places. Continuing on with the articles, President Biden faces deadline in U.S. rail labor standoff. And I'm curious to know, after we read this, if this is going to potentially affect our future supply chain issues that are happening in the United States, but who knows. From Los Angeles, from Rudders, U.S. President Joe Biden faces a deadline next week to intervene in the nationwide U.S. railroad labor talks covering 115,000 workers or open the door to a potential strike or lockdown that could threaten an already fragile economy and choke supplies of food and fuel. The stakes are high for the Biden. Stakes are high for Biden, who wants to tackle inflation, stoking supply chain woes, and is already working to reach a deal in the critical labor talks at West Coast seaports. If the president declines to intercede in the railroad labor negotiations by appointing a presidential emergency board or the PEE before 1201 a.m. EDT on Monday, the railroads and unions have opted for operational shutdowns or strikes, respectively. If appointed, the, the board would make recommendations that could be used as its framework for voluntary settlement. A White House official told Rutgers the administration is going through the standard process that has been used in the past when considering a PEB. The White House declined further comment. 
Parties in the current talks expect Biden to appoint a board as President Barack Obama did to help resolve a wage and healthcare benefit standoff of the, at the largest freight railroads in 2011. Quote, people in the executive branch and in Congress know how vital our freight rail system is to our economy, said Greg Regan, president of the AFL-CIO Transportation Trades Department that represents several railroad unions. Quote, you're going to see a similar amount of pressure to reach an agreement that you're seeing on the port side, he added. U.S. businesses groups representing retailers and food and fuel producers is in letters to Biden have warned that failing to appoint a PEB would be disastrous for the softening economy. Railroads move everything from Amazon packages to fuel oil and soybeans, and a shutdown of any kind could send prices for necessities higher and upend battery supply chains. The railroad talks come at a bad time for Biden, whose administration is also dealing with negotiations covering more than 22,000 U.S. West Coast workers at 29 seaports stretching from Washington to California, including the nation's busiest at Los Angeles slash Long Beach. The contract expired on July 1st, and the two sides are wrestling over issues ramping from pay to automation. You know, this is bad. This is really, really bad across the board. Okay. I don't see a deal happening, to be honest. I really don't. Okay. Because if it had been, we would not be reporting on this right now. Now, granted, it's only Tuesday and this wouldn't start till Monday of next week. But I mean, at the end of the day, is Joe Biden able to do this? Is Congress able to do anything about this? Or is it just going to cause more chokes to happen in the supply chain issues? And all honestly, I have a feeling that a deal will not happen. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'm, I will admit it if I'm wrong. I don't think a deal is going to happen. I, if it, let, let's play both routes, actually. If a deal does happen, things go semi back to normal. But if a deal does not go back to normal, what does that cause for prices across the board? Does that finally cause gas to go even higher finally? I, I noticed this today when I was actually driving to work that gas prices in parts of California are going down. That's always good to see. It worries me why it's going down because, I mean, we, we've been ripping on Joe Biden and his presidency recently for shipping strategic oil reserves overseas. But that's a whole other topic for another day. But it's it's interesting to see how this could potentially happen. I mean, right now we reported recently, and I listened to past podcasts for a little bit more details on this, that Berkshire Hathaway was at least trying to get their locomotive engines to go from Chicago to Southern California as quickly as possible to deal with the bottleneck issues that they were facing with being able to ship things out to the trains. So says here, talks between major freight railroads, including Union Pacific and Berkshire Hathaway owned BNSF and unions representing their workers have dragged out for more than two years. If appointed, the PEB has 30 days to make non-binding settlement recommendations. Work stoppages are prohibited during the time and for 30 days following the release of the report. If employers and unions reject the recommendation, Congress can intervene. I wonder what Congress can do. It's interesting. It says the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen that represents 23,000 workers affected by the negotiations on Tuesday said more than 99% of members voted to authorize a strike should union leaders deem it necessary. The vote was mandated by union bylaws. Oh boy, it's going to get interesting. U.S. freight railroads have assured investors that they're making progress with hiring and re retention and negotiations with unions over pay time and healthcare cost sharing. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to end. <clears throat> and honestly, it's hard to tell, but keep an eye, we, we're going to keep an eye on it as much as we can. But how this ends will determine a lot of things for us here in the United States. And that's a scary, scary thought to think about.
Continuing on, delivery startup GoPuff cuts 10% of its global workforce and closes 76 U.S. warehouses. Delivery startup GoPuff, and to be honest, I've never heard of GoPuff, so this is an interesting article to read, is cutting 10% of its global workforce and closing 76 warehouses, according to a letter to investors. The layoff impacts about 1,500 employees who will be notified throughout Tuesday, the letter said. The company is also closing 76 warehouses, about 12% of its network across the U.S. while expanding services at, at other higher performing sites. Quote, as part of our efforts to remove overhead and drive operational efficiencies, we've made it an incredibly challenging decision of reducing our global workforce by 10%, the letter said. While difficult, this resurrects us to align more closely around business priorities while accelerating our path to profitability. The current cuts are an effort to help the company be profitable by 2024, it said in a letter to investors. GoPuff also said it will be focusing on improving its core business, which is inst instant delivery and increased international investment, especially in the UK. Quote, these shifts are not only accelerating our timeline to profitability, they are taking us back to our roots, roots of keeping profitability at the core of every decision. The letter said, we remain committed to our ambition to building a generational business and feel confident as ever in GoPuffs performance and ability to capitalize on the movement before us. GoPuff last year was valued at 15 billion. The company's reported been eye-popping in 2022. I don't know how this is going to really going to go for GoPuff in the end. I mean, GoPuff, I mean, I've heard of DoorDash, I've heard of other delivery services obviously, but GoPuff is new to me. And if they firmly believe they can do it, then by all means, you can go do it, GoPuff. You can go do your thing, what you need to go do. But at the end of the day, GoPuff's going to want to be able to do what it needs to do in order to make money in the long term. Now, related to what's happening with GoPuff, I mean, GoPuff has been pretty much, like we just read, laying off about 10% of their workforce. Microsoft also is having some issues too with its workforce too. Says Microsoft cuts small percentage of employees as new fiscal year begins. Okay. We kind of talked about this in the past that Microsoft would be cutting some of its employees. And now it's happening here. So it says here, Microsoft said Tuesday it will cut a number of its workers down after the software maker began its 2023 fiscal year, a time when the company normally announces structural changes. Technology, companies big and small have slowed hiring plans or announced reductions in its workforce in recent months to withstand a possible economic recession, which central bankers have been trying to ward off by raising interest rates. The shifts have made investors less interested in growth-oriented stocks, such as Microsoft, whose shares have declined about 22% since the start of the year, while the large S&P index is down 19% over the same period. The cuts reach a variety of groups and affect less than 1% of the company, which employed 181,000 people as of June of 2021, the company said. Quote, today we notify a small number of employees that the roles have been eliminated. A Microsoft spokesperson told CNBC in the email, this was a result of strategic real realignment. And like all companies, we evaluate our business on a regular basis. We continue to invest in certain areas and grow headcount in the year ahead. Bloomberg reported on the move earlier. The Microsoft executive in charge of office productivity software, uh, Jaha, in May told his team that to obtain permission before opening new roles in June. A correction, before opening new roles. In June, Microsoft slashed its income and revenue guidance, citing unfavorable foreign exchange rates. 
On Monday, technology industry research group Gardner estimated that PC shipmakers, a factor affecting Microsoft's Windows operating system business, fell nearly 13% in the third quarter and the most sluggish performance in nine years in part of the geopolitical issues. Microsoft last year announced a round of layoffs in, in 2017. Actually, correction, Microsoft last announced a round of layoffs in 2017 after a start of its new fiscal year. The company trimmed thousands of employees as it adjusted its approach to selling. Facebook parent company Meta platforms decreased its adding software engineering this year from 10,000 to around 6,000 to 7,000. Reuters reported last week, Amazon retail division decreased in 2022 hiring goal as well, Insider reported in May. These companies are slowly laying people off. Slowly, I say, because... They don't want to cause, I guess, too much of a panic within the market. We've known for a while that Microsoft was actually going down this path. And we've also talked about in the past about how there were some real estate companies that were almost doing the same thing too. But now Microsoft's pulling the trigger. How is this going to affect Microsoft going forward a little bit more? At the end of the day, it's it's hard to tell. I mean, Microsoft, I don't consider Microsoft a fully growth company. I, I also consider Microsoft also a a dividend player as well, because they've been raising their dividend for a long time too. And if you have invested in Microsoft in the past, you probably are making a killing off Microsoft. But these companies like GoPuff and Microsoft, they're laying off people and now they're reducing how much they're going to bring in for people too. So it's, it's the economy is in an interesting situation right now. Usually companies are going to make moves before things happen. And then if they overshoot, then they'll end up just hiring on new talent in the end. But it's still interesting to see these companies have to make these moves now because maybe there is a recession on the horizon. Who knows? Or maybe they're just using the excuse of we have to start a fiscal 2023 year and we don't know how things are going to go. So keep an eye out, guys. If more layoffs start happening, then things are going to get more interesting in the market. Lastly, we're going to talk about, and I believe this trend is going to continue in the oil markets going forward, okay? Norwegian oil giant Equinor to buy U.S.-based battery storage form. Norway's Equinor has acquired U.S.-based battery storage developer East Point Energy after signing an agreement to take over 100% stake in the company. Uh, Equinor, a a major producer in oil and gas, said Tuesday that Charlottesville headquarters East Point Energy has a 4.1 gigabyte pipeline of early to mid-stage battery storage projects focused on the U.S. East Coast. According to Equinor, this transaction is slated for the completion in the third quarter of 2022. Battery storage, which will play an important role in the energy transition as the world increases its share of intermediate renewable power. Equinor said, battery storage is key to enabling further penetration of renewables such as to contribute to stabilizing power markets and improve the security of supply, it added. In December 2021, International Energy Agency said the world's installed storage capacity was projected to jump by 56% over the next five years, hitting 270 GW by 2026. According to the IEA, the chief driver of this growth is the increasing need for system flexibility and storage around the world to fulfill, utilize, and integrate large shares of variable renewable energy into power systems. The IEA says investments in battery storage grew by nearly 40% in 2020, reaching $5.5 billion. Formerly known as State Oil, Equinor's chief shareholder in the Norwegian state, which has a 65% holding the company, its plan to acquire East Point Energy represents the company's latest foray into the U.S. It already has a sustainable oil and gas operation in the country, and it's working on large-scale offshore wind projects. 
2021, IEA said there should be, quote, no investment in new fossil fuel supply projects and no further final investment decisions for new unabated coal plants. Okay, so I said this trend is probably going to continue. I do think that. And one of the reasons why I think this trend is going to continue is, I mean, we've read about companies buying up some carbon companies that are sucking CO2 out of the air and be able to either store it into the earth or be able to turn it into gasoline or being able to do a lot of things, okay? These oil companies are going to keep buying up these greener technologies, okay? At the same time, these greener technologies I've now I'm starting to realize there's another issue we could be facing in a potential power supply issue in the making. And here, and here and this is where it comes from, okay? This company, the Norwegian oil giant, if 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 my if I'm not mistaken, they're in a cold area, okay? Does anyone remember what happens to your battery on your cell phone when it's in your pocket and you're in very cold temperatures? The battery drains faster, okay? Now, something that I'm starting to think about right now with these green energies, if we store energy in these batteries, what's going to happen if it becomes a really, really cold day? Does the power suddenly die faster? And all honestly, this is something that I've never thought about until now when I was thinking about it. I mean, it says here, continuing on what's a more recent report of the United Nations, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change also weighed in on the subject of fossil fuels. Limiting global warming will require a major transition in the energy sector, the IPCC said in the news release accompanying its pu- uh, publication. Okay, we have an energy crisis happening right now, okay? In all seriousness. And the fact that these oil companies now are making a huge push into buying these green companies, I mean, if they want to do that, that's their choice at the end of the day. But we still live in a world where we're probably still going to need oil and gas for the long run, in all seriousness, okay? Take a look at where you're listening to this podcast right now. If you're listening on your phone, most likely oil touched your phone at some point. If you're listening on your computer, I know for a fact that some components in a computer were made from oil and gas, okay? And uh, obviously, as I sit in my room currently recording this, I mean, I look at my, my mic, my mic was probably at some point touched by oil. Same with, same with my laptop for being able to look into this. The car you drove today was touched by oil at some point. This whole idea of green energy, these are questions I don't think people are willing to ask right now. Is how's it going to affect in the long term? I mean, seriously, I remember when I worked at Target for a bit. I remember that at Target, that my phone would die in the freezer or would die in the fridge because it was cold in there. Okay. What's going to happen with these storage plants with these batteries? Hope they find a solution to this because if not, we're going to have huge energy crises going forward. But at the same time, like I said, I expect this trend to continue to happen where companies are buying up these greener energies, but then they'll still keep drilling for oil too at the same time. Or at least they're claiming right now until they realize, hey, we actually need more oil than these green energies. It's hard to tell, so... With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. I ask that if you had, that you please like and subscribe to this video as or podcast in general, as every like and subscription that we get can help grow this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about what's happening in the market. Like I said, it was super frustrating earlier today when looking and there was a bunch of things on January 6th, but hardly any news on the market, okay? And we should be able to talk about the market instead of focusing on things that 
are not that important in the long run, at least in my opinion. I mean, things are happening behind the scenes when the, I mean, think of it this way, the cameras are focused on January 6th, but there's deals that are happening outside of the committee that's talking about the January 6th incident. So if you had, please like, and subscribe to this podcast. If you haven't already too, please do it as well. Please also share with friends or family as every time we share with friends or family, I'd ask that they also like, and subscribe to this podcast as well so that we can be able to keep growing this podcast. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.